0: Would you pray with me over this message? Father, I pray that these are your words. God, we're here to, to get something from you, God. We don't want to just hear something that sounds nice, but God, we want to be changed. And so I pray that your word is alive and active this morning, that what I speak is true and real, and it changes lives. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for being here this morning. I got to get to my message here. Perfect. So we have been on the armor of God. And those of you who maybe have not been here for some of those, I encourage you to go back and listen. I'm not able, I don't have time to do a recap of all of them. It's kind of like with the fruit of the spirit where you get to the point where the recap would be like 80% of my message time. And so I got to kind of stop doing that. But for those of you who maybe haven't been here for all of them, I encourage you um, go back and listen to some of those past messages but basically, if you're a Christian, you're at war. This is a real thing. And those of you who have been Christians know there's attacks that come. There's, there's pain that comes, and it's, it's on a spiritual realm. But we've been given armor. And, and kind of the, the crux of it is it's not whether or not we can get this armor. The, the Bible tells us it's been given to us. The question is, are we going to put this armor on or not? That's the real question for us as Christians. It's not, can we somehow achieve this armor? It's like, no, we don't even have to worry about that. It's been given to us. We have access to it right now. The question is, will we put it on so it's actually of some use to us because armor that's laying on the ground next to you is not of much use if you don't go through the process of putting it on. And that's why right before, in Ephesians chapter um, six, Paul will say, therefore, put it on. That's the main part of it. So we've talked about the belt. We've talked about the breastplate. We've talked about the feet. And we are going to move on today. And I'm going to, like I've been doing, I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to spend the rest of my time kind of going to scripture to back it up. And here's my statement today. The more you are impacted by what God has said, the more of an impact you can have on those around you. Now, Jason Cavadini, a few weeks ago, talked. and He did a great job of talking about this idea of influence, of actually having influence in the world, not just as pastors, but all of us as Christians, actually having influence and an impact on the world that we are in. And I believe strongly that if you are someone who wants to have an impact, wants to have influence in the world, you have to first be impacted yourself by what God has already said. It's this this pattern that happens in the Bible that for you to do or give or affect somebody in a certain way, you first have to be affected in that way from God. So like love, for you to really be able to love somebody, you have to first be loved by God and really experience that love and receive and accept that love and then that love can flow out to you for someone else. Same thing with forgiveness. For you to be able to forgive somebody else, you have to first receive that forgiveness. That's what Jesus in his parable said. The the person who has been forgiven much will forgive much. The person who has been loved much will love much. You have to first allow yourself to receive it from God. Then you can give it away to other people oftentimes we kind of skip that step and we try to go right to i will just try to do it in my own power and it's the same thing with influence and being impacted if you want to be someone and i hope that you are someone that says, I want to go out into the world and I want to have an impact. If somebody gets to know me, if somebody talks to me, if somebody sees me, I want their life to be impacted by my life. I hope that we all want that. You must first be impacted and influenced by what God has said to you. If you are not first influenced by God, you cannot influence other people. If you are not first impacted by God, you cannot impact other people people. And so today we're going to move on with the armor of God and I'm going to explain how this all makes sense. But we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16. And this is what it says. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So we're on the shield today, and this is probably when I said the armor of God, and we're talking about Roman armor, which again, this is the visual that we're going to have throughout this whole process, because when this was written, Roman armor was the, the main armor that everybody was jealous of, wished they had. It was the pinnacle of technology. You probably thought of the shield. That's one of the first places our mind goes when it comes to armor. And that's for good reason, because the shield, especially in Roman warfare, was a massive part of how they did battle. It was the center of the Romans' tactics. How the Romans went about war, how they fought, was completely predicated upon their shield. And so to get a visual of what the Roman shield would have looked like is it was pretty much as tall as a man and it was about as wide as a man. The purpose of the shield was that you should be able to hide most of your entire body behind it. It was made of a very hard wood with metal cast over top of it and then leather put over that. So I want you to imagine the weight of a shield. That's why If you were gonna be in the Roman army, you had to be very, very strong because you had just to lift the shield required a very strong person because of the sheer size of it. Now, so if you're thinking a shield as something where it's like in one-on-one battle, you're very agile and you're bouncing around and you're blocking swords, that is not the shield that we're talking about here. We're talking about a extremely heavy shield that is almost the full size of a human being that would have been extremely heavy to carry and move around. It wouldn't have been super agile. And it was made to guard against tactical attacks. Now, we need to talk about this a little bit because when we talked about the curist or the breastplate, we explained that this was to protect against personal attacks. When things broke down, when it was man versus man, sword versus sword, this is what the breastplate was for. When someone had a sword and they were going for your heart, they were trying to hit one of your vital organs, they knew who they were attacking, how they were attacking. That's what that cuirass is for. It deflected those attacks so that they didn't pierce your heart. That's, that's kind of a personal attack. Then there are tactical attacks. And that's where archers came in. And that's why in Ephesians, it specifically talks about the shield is for arrows, and so in a lot of movies, maybe you saw like an archer and they'd see someone across the battlefield and they're like, I'm going to shoot that guy and they'd aim it and they'd hit the guy while they're running. That's not really how it worked. How, how arrows worked in Roman warfare is there would be a whole group of archers all together and they would point all of their bows up in the air and they would shoot in just a general area. They were not aiming at anybody specific. They were just shooting a whole volley of arrows, and they were just hoping that maybe it connected. Because the thing was, in war, arrows are the cheapest thing. Archers, as far as if you're going to build an army, archers were the cheapest because they didn't need to have a lot of armor themselves. All they really needed was a bow. Arrows are cheap to make and you can make them on the fly. It doesn't take a lot of resources. And so what armies would do is they would just lob these big volleys of arrows in the general direction of the soldiers. And you might say, well, why would they do that? Well, it's tactical. Because as I explained last week, how the Romans did war is they would create basically a wall. They would take these huge shields and they would interlock them with each other to form basically a wall. And the other army had to find some way to break through that, some way to get around it or past it. Otherwise, they could not win. And that's why the Romans won so much, because their shields were so good, so solid, that if the enemy couldn't break through the lines, they couldn't lose. So we have these tactical attacks in which they would pick a part of this wall and they would try to attack it because maybe if you hit the middle of the wall and you hit with enough arrows and you took enough soldiers out, enough arrows got through the shield, the wall would crumble right there and it would give your soldiers a place to hit. It would give your soldiers a place to break through and that's all you needed because once the wall fell, now you have a chance against the Roman army. Because again, that shield isn't gonna do much good against personal attacks, it's too heavy. So it's like, if you can just find a place to break through, now you can really start to do some damage. So the arrows really weren't meant to do all the damage. The arrows were meant to create an opening in which you could break through and really do the damage. So maybe you'd you'd pick one spot and you'd keep hitting that one spot, just hoping the soldiers would start to move, start to separate, start to try to get out of the way, and now you can break through. Or maybe you would hit just one side and you could get the wall to turn a little bit, and then there would be an opening on the other side. These are tactical attacks, and they were done with arrows. And you probably noticed in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, it says, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. So this is why the shield would have leather over it, is because they would soak the shield in water. They would get the leather soaked in water because one of the biggest tactics of the enemy was to light their arrows on fire before they fired them. Because now, even if it hits a shield, even if it doesn't hit a soldier, but that fire can spread you can still have your opportunity to break through. All these tactical attacks are meant to do is cause enough chaos for there to be an opening to break through. And so oftentimes they would light their arrows on fire because if they could get the shield to start on fire, if they could get a fire going, there was an opening to break through. And that's why the shield, if used correctly, should even account for that because it should be soaked in water. So even if a, a flaming arrow hits it, It will be extinguished and the line can hold. So today we're talking about the shield and arrows, tactical attacks, trying to create openings in which the enemy can break through and really, really cause damage. And that's the first thing you have to understand with tactical attacks is the damage doesn't actually come from the tactical attacks. The damage comes after they hit the opening and get through the lines. And so what we see here is that for the life of a Christian, what should guard us against those tactical attacks, the lobs of arrows that tend to just come and come and they keep coming and, and even if you block them, there's another volley that's coming. What protects us from those kinds of attacks as Christians is our faith. That's what the Bible tells us, that our faith as a Christian is equivalent to the shield for the Romans. Now that should tell you something, that the entire Roman army was based upon that shield. If you take that shield away, the way that the Romans do war at its very core disappears, that should tell you the importance of faith in the life of a Christian, that how we are called to do battle is completely dependent on our faith. And so we need to ask ourselves, what is faith? And we talked about this a little bit And the fruit of the Spirit. And what I love about the way that the Bible works is you've seen a couple things that connect between the fruit of the Spirit and the armor of God. And what's exciting about that is what we see is we talked in the fruit of the Spirit that as we allow the Spirit of God in us to be in control, there's fruit that grows out of our life. We we see this, this fruit that grows out. And then what's exciting is we see that not only is that fruit just good to look at, but as it grows out of our life, we actually get to wear it as armor. And so we talked about faith in the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness, of being full of faith, and we need to revisit that again. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, this is what it says. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith, the, the definition many of us have heard and it's not a bad definition, is to believe what you can't see. To have a situation in which God says one thing and you see what appears to be the opposite of what God says and you choose to believe what God has said over what you see, that's faith. That's our shield as Christians. And so we can see this tension play out and the story of Peter walking on water, you guys kind of know that story, right? You, you've, you've heard of it. Jesus is out walking on the water, and his disciples are freaked out. Like, and, and they're like scared, not just like, whoa, Jesus, this is cool. They're like, what, who are you? Like, what's happening? Because it was so freaky to them that their master is out there in the middle of a storm, just walking on water. And you have to remember, there are wind and waves. And we, we went on a, a salmon fishing trip just on, was it Superior? Lake Michigan. See, this is why I asked Leslie. She knows more. And it was a little bit of a windy day. Like a little bit. And I looked out there and I was like, the thought of being out there was horrifying. And now you have a true storm happening in a sea. And think about the faith of Peter to say, Jesus, call me out, and I'm going to go out there with you. It's unbelievable faith to see a storm happening in the middle of the sea and saying, I'm going to go walk out on water. And it was his faith he believed. Jesus said, come out. You're going to be fine. And Peter believed it. So he started walking out on water. But now you see the fight. The Bible says that he looked and started to see the wind and the waves more. And we talked about in the fruit of the Spirit how faith is really to be persuaded. If you have faith, it means that you've been persuaded to believe something. And you see in this story that as Peter walks and he gets further away from the boat, the wind and the waves become more persuasive as he goes. Because What Jesus said, you're going to be fine, he starts to see all the reasons that he's not going to be fine. And all of the reasons that he's not going to be fine start to get more and more persuasive. And his faith starts to slip and he starts to believe what he sees over what he was told. And this is the battle of faith for the Christians is do you believe what God says? Do you believe what Jesus says? When things look different than that. You see, if faith is believing what you can't see, then the only way you can have faith is to be in a situation where it looks different than what God has said. You know, so many of us are like, God, why do you keep putting me in these situations where everything that you have said to me I see the opposite in my life. Why do you keep putting me in these situations? But the truth is, that's the only time that you can actually show your faith. Because if everything you see in your life lines up with what God has said, then there's no faith there. We see this in the story of, we call him Doubting Thomas, where he's like, Jesus, if I see your scars, then I'll believe. And Jesus was like, blessed are those who actually believe even when they don't see. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so honestly, when you are put in a situation where what you see in front of you contradicts what God has said, you're literally being put into a situation where you can please God. Because this is this is the timing where your faith can be shown. Your faith cannot be shown if everything lines up perfectly and you don't have any contradictions in your life. Because faith is believing what Jesus has said even when you see contradictions in your life. Now, let's be honest. How many of us really view life that way? When we, when we walk through life and what, what God has said to us, we look around and we don't see it. How many of us are like, awesome, I get to show faith. Great. No, we don't. But that's the truth of the matter is that that's, the, that's when faith comes out. We cannot show our faith unless we see something different than what Jesus has said. This is our shield as Christians. This is what protects us from the lobs of arrows that keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. That's what our faith is for. Is to protect us from those kind of attacks. You guys... If you're anything like me, that resonates with you. Because I, I tend to see myself as very good at handling the big attacks, right? When like something major happens and it's like, oh my goodness, this is a huge deal. We got to handle it. I'm like good at that. I, I feel like I'm good at rising to the occasion. But where I get worn down is like the daily just those little attacks over and over and you get worn down and you get worn out and they keep coming and they keep coming and these are the attacks that our faith is really made for. So I think we need to just ask ourselves, what are these tactical attacks against, against us? Because we, we talked, it's not gonna be a physical attack because we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle in the spiritual realm so what are these attacks? What are these arrows that just kind of keep getting lobbed at us? And I think there's a lot, and I'm not saying that this is the, the only way that, that we can look at this, but I, I looked at Scripture and I said, I want to look for where the Bible talks about specifically a tactical attack from the enemy. When the enemy is trying to outsmart us, when the enemy is trying to outmaneuver us, what kind of attacks does that look like? And here's what I found in Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. This is what it says. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. And listen to this. In order that Satan might not outwit us we are not unaware of his schemes. I think a really good place to start if you're asking, what are these arrows? What are these flaming arrows that are just getting lobbed at us all day long and just keep coming? A good place to start, I would say, is reasons to be offended, reasons to be bitter, reason to have unforgiveness in our life. You guys ever notice that every day of your life, there's like 10,000 reasons to get upset? to be offended, to hold a grudge against somebody, to be bitter about life in general. And they tend to just come over and over again. I don't know about you guys. I have never had a day in my life where at the end of the day I said, there were no reasons for me to be offended today. Zero. There's always. And they're cheap. And I believe that's why the enemy does it. Just lob. He doesn't even care if it hits. He doesn't care how many of them hit. He only needs one of them to really get through. And so every day, you're just getting all these reasons to be offended, all of these reasons to hold grudges, all of these reasons to be bitter and hold on to that. And the thing is, it's a flaming arrow. Have you guys ever had bitterness land in your heart? Have one of those arrows really hit deep? It spreads. It starts to spread throughout your whole body. And that's why the enemy's like, I'll just keep lobbing them. Every day of your life, I'm going to give you reason after reason to be upset and offended and bitter and have unforgiveness and hold grudges against everybody because I don't even care how many of them land. I just need one of them too. They're cheap. I'll throw them all day long. We have to be so careful about this. And this is where our faith comes in. Because again, our faith says, I will believe what God says, which is we are not victims. We are not gonna be bitter. We're not gonna hold grudges. We know what God has said about us. We know what God thinks about us. And even though we walk through life and we see all of these reasons to be bitter and to be upset and to be offended and they keep coming and they keep coming, as we have faith and as we believe what God says about us over what we see from other people it extinguishes those arrows. It doesn't give the enemy that place to break through our lines. And this is so important because do you know that in, in, in the Roman army, your shield actually blocked some of the person next to you. That's how their system worked As you interlocked, but you were actually kind of blocking the person next to you with your shield. That's, that's why they interlocked. And do you know that your faith isn't just for you? That the way the army of God works, the way this all works, is our faith should be covering each other. This isn't just about me. This isn't just about you. This is about actually having a wall where a group of believers are protected by each other, where we use our faith not to put each other down, but to protect each other. This is what Romans chapter 15, verses one through two says. It says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and to not please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. And this is where we go back to the start of the more you have been impacted by what God has said, the more you can impact others. The more faith you have, the more faith you have to give To each other, the more you can step in and protect other believers. How many of you guys have had a situation, I'll raise my hand and you don't have to raise yours, where you were struggling and your faith just was not there and you had somebody else step in and their faith covered you for a time and they were there with you and you were weak and they were strong and they gave you some of their strength and they covered you with their faith. It's a beautiful thing to see and it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. And this is what we're called to do. We don't have a strong faith just so that we feel good about ourselves. It's because there are younger believers who don't have that kind of faith and we can step in and our faith can protect them. I wanna read you a quick this is, this is something I pulled out of a book called The Lives of the Noble Grecians and Romans, chapter 60. And, and, and it, it paints a picture that I want you to see. And this is what it says. it says. But the fully armed infantry facing around received the light troops within. And those in the first rank knelt on one knee holding their shields before them the next rank holding theirs over the first and so on over these, much like the tiling of a house or the rows of seats in a theater, the whole affording sure defense against arrows, which glance upon them without doing any harm. So basically what they're saying is there's some soldiers that don't have shields. They're, they're, they're not at that place yet. They haven't grown that or, or they don't have strong shields. And it paints this picture of the ones who have strong shields, receiving them in and protecting them and actually creating a barrier against those attacks that keep coming. And I just think that is such a a beautiful visual of what the church could be. Those who have faith, those who are strong, receiving those in that are weak, stepping in front of them, protecting them from these attacks as they grow in their faith, as they do that. And then they can ultimately one day become people who can protect others who are in those attacks. And this is the beauty of growing your faith, is it's not for you. You grow your faith so that you can be a soldier that can protect others that are weak, that aren't there yet. And that's what the body of Christ should be. I mean, really, ultimately, we want people to come here for that reason, so that they can find people to stand with them, stand firm with them, share their faith with them, stand So that they don't get taken out by the enemy. This is why we gather together. Is because we are an army. We should be protecting each other. We should be guarding each other. And if we're all at different places, that's great. But unfortunately, a lot of times what has happened, and I'm not saying it's happened here, but most of you have had experience where sometimes it's the ones who have faith, they almost use it to put others down versus to stand in front of them and protect them from attacks. And I think that when you start to view faith not just as I want to have faith so that I can be strong in myself, but to understand I need to be strong because there's other people who need my help. There's other believers who are struggling, who need someone to stand in with them. Now it's exciting to have faith because there's a real purpose for it. And that's where I just go back to the more you are impacted by what God has said, the more of an impact you can have on those around you. The more you are persuaded by God, the more faith you have, the more you are able to believe in what God has said, even when you see different things and you can hold on to that faith, the more of an impact you can have, not just on the world, but on the other believers around you the more that you can be a source of protection for them. And so this morning, just a couple questions for you before we close. How persuaded are you this morning? What does your shield look like? Do you have a shield that's strong and sturdy and able to stand up for other people and protect other people? Or are you at a place where maybe you need to find someone that can help you because you don't have that and those arrows have just been hitting you. How has your faith been affecting those around you? Because hopefully each of us should have a heart that says, I want to have so much faith that those around me are even more protected from the enemy because I am there. Because that should be the goal of every mature believer to be like, I want to be able to stand up and guard and protect those around me. And maybe you're not there yet and that's okay but we should at least be aiming for that, striving for that, striving to have that kind of faith, have that kind of shield. And the last question I'll ask before we close is just have those arrows been hitting? Has, have those lobs and volleys of arrows that just keep coming, have they been hitting? Has that fire been spreading in your life? Because if it is, then you have to go back to basics to say, do I believe what God says even when I can't see it? Because that is your shield and that is what's meant to guard against those attacks. So if you guys will stand, I want to pray with you before we close. Lord, I thank you that we can believe what you have said. God, I thank you that even when we see something different in our life, we can hold on to the trust in what you have said. And Lord, I thank you that that is our shield. Lord, that we have protection against those volleys of arrows that just keep coming and keep coming, Lord God, that we have that shield. And Lord, I know that there are times where it gets heavy, Lord, and I pray that you help us to continue to hold that, Lord. And I pray that we are people who stand in the gap for others, who stand in between them and the enemy, who who let our shield be a protection, not just for ourselves, but for those around us, Lord God. I pray that you give us that kind of faith, Lord God, and I pray that you give us a desire to be that, Lord God, knowing that there are people around us that, that need our help, Lord God, that need protection, that, that need that shield in their life. And so, Lord, I just pray that you help us to be more persuaded and impacted and influenced than we've ever been by what you have said, Lord God, so that we can truly impact and influence those around us, Lord God. I pray this in your name. Amen.